This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 70, presented by WD Marketing Group. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. Got a great episode for you today. We'll be joined by CBS 42 sports reporter and anchor Drew Carter to talk all things March Madness, Crimson Tide basketball, as Nate Oates and his guys move on to the Sweet 16. That's coming up this upcoming weekend in Indianapolis. The team remains in the bubble, and they went to the zoo on Tuesday trying to get some outside time and be as normal as possible while living in the bubble as they look forward to their matchup with 11 seed UCLA. We'll talk plenty of basketball. We'll start with what's new. We'll then talk to Drew and then we'll go around Alabama athletics. There's tons to cover because there was NFL Pro Day for Alabama. There's football news as spring practice is underway. We've got another championship team in Tuscaloosa. That's all coming up in around Alabama athletics. Folks, episode 70 of the Galloway Podcast, as I mentioned, is brought to you by WD Marketing Group. WD Marketing Group is a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients in a wide variety of industries surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for the client. Your business is too valuable not to market. Let WDMG help you. You can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com or by phone at 904-868-6038. That's WD Marketing Group, proud sponsor of the Galloway Podcast. Moving into what's new here on episode 70 of the Galloway Podcast, March Madness is in full swing, and we'll talk a lot with it about Drew, but there were some absolutely crazy upsets. First and foremost, Oral Roberts going to the Sweet 16, Loyola Chicago. Drew Carter is all over Loyola Chicago. They're having a great year and possibly, probably, definitely underrated going into the tournament, and they are proving now that Sister Jean and the Loyola Chicago, I believe they're the Ramblers, could be wrong on that, got to check. But they're playing great basketball, they're back in the Sweet 16, and it is no fluke that they beat Illinois, they outplayed them, it was simply a fantastic game. We'll get to Alabama Football Pro Day and around Alabama Athletics. That has a lot to do with what is new because there were multiple Alabama players participate, but most notably, Najee Harris did not participate. He was stuck in Dallas and he drove nine hours from Dallas to Tuscaloosa after his flight was canceled to come and support his teammates. And that, to me, is one of the coolest things. Adam Schefter reported that on Tuesday morning. And it really made headlines, and as it should have. It's not a feel-good story. It just is a story of true character and reveals who Najee Harris is as a person, as a teammate, that he would come all that way to Tuscaloosa, not only to work, to not work out, but to support his teammates. Pretty cool story there. Let's head over to our interview now with Drew Carter on the Galloway Podcast, Episode 70, presented by WD Marketing Group, where we talk all things Tide Hoops and March Madness. I'm joined now by Drew Carter on the Galloway Podcast. Drew is a first-time guest. He's a sports anchor and reporter at CBS 42 in Birmingham, a Syracuse Orange grad, so both of our teams are in the Sweet 16. Uh, Drew, how are you on this fine Wednesday? 
I'm great. You know, first time on Bill, but I've been trying to get on for a long time and you, you finally opened the doors and let me on Galloway. So this is a special day for me. Well, welcome. We're now at episode 70. And so um, I guess it, it took long enough, but here we are. I was campaigning for episode 69, but I think that that, that was reserved, obviously. For Hunter, Hunter Johnson was a valuable candidate for, it was a good episode. So I know, I mean, he was, he was a lock for episode 69, sort of like yeah. Alabama was a lock for the Sweet 16 this year. What, and, and let's talk about that because your Orange are, uh, are playing some, have played some pretty good basketball yeah. and are in the Sweet 16 as well. So, Drew, just kind of kicking things off here. Uh, Sweet 16, March Madness, first weekend. Let's start with first weekend takeaways because there were a lot of surprises, a lot of upsets, and that's to be expected in this month. Yeah, well, there are a lot of – I mean, there are a lot of places you can go with this. I think if you're looking like 30,000 feet, bird's eye view type, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is the Pac-12 and how they've performed, especially when you compare it to the Big Ten. You know, yesterday on CBS 42, we did this thing about UCLA, kind of like a little primer on Alabama's next opponent. And the way I framed it was basically the Pac-12 has run this tournament. Like this whole thing has belonged to the Conference of Champions. And the only team that's had to win three games to get here is UCLA, whatever, then we got into UCLA. But, I mean, overall, the Pac-12 has been astoundingly good. And I thought Mick Cronin, UCLA's head coach, had a pretty good soundbite when he said, you know, you're finding out that the fact that the Pac-12 was unranked all year was an absolute joke and people ought to be ashamed of themselves. That's what he said. And then he kind of softened it up a little bit and said, you know, maybe people can't stay up late to watch the games and I can't either, whatever. Uh, but the Pac-12 has been super impressive. And, you know, generally I think it's, it's kind of a fool's errand to make sweeping generalizations about league strength based on, you know, a single elimination tournament. But this year, I, you know, I don't have a problem saying we probably overrated the Big Ten. You know, if you look at out of conference this year was so unique, not that many non-conference games. The Big Ten was probably a little overrated coming in. And, you know, there are some fluky things like Illinois is a really good team. They just ran into a buzzsaw in Loyola, who is like the best coach team I think I've ever seen in that game. Iowa ran into a rested Oregon team that was way underseeded. Some of the matchups were just bad, but still like for the Big Ten to have one team in the Sweet 16, the Pac-12 to have four. I think that's the biggest thing that st stood out to me so far. And after how highly ranked all those guys were, all those teams were, excuse me, in that Big Ten, you see in the uh, West region, you've got USC and Oregon in the Sweet 16. Obviously, they're going to probably face Gonzaga, and yep. you're going to have to please excuse the uh, drilling going on Is it in bad? the background. It's, oh, yeah. uh, I, I hear it now. I don't know if you hear it, but it's going on, and uh, listeners – when you record a podcast in a fraternity house, sometimes you get a little background noise and you can't really do much about it. But we're rolling with the punches here. Um, that West region, yeah, you talk about Gonzaga and then those two Pac-12 teams. Illinois, like Illinois and Ohio State were playing really good basketball. And I think they were two, arguably two of the hottest teams going into the tournament. Watching that Big Ten championship just a couple weeks ago, uh, they were really impressive. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think in, in what makes this tournament so special is a team like Oral Roberts – it doesn't matter if their enrollment is four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve thousand, 12,000, whatever it is. Like they put five guys on the court and obviously they showed that they can compete. They're a sweet 16 team. They beat Ohio state. And that's the beauty of March and whether teams are overranked, underranked, it really doesn't matter. Cause when it's my five against your five, all these teams are good enough to be in the tournament. They, anybody can beat anybody at this point. Right. And I'm glad you brought up Oral Roberts there, Bill, because I think they're a perfect example of what you're talking about. 
And it's not even my five versus your five necessarily. It's my two versus your five. Like Oral Roberts, those, those two guys, Aismas and O'Banner, are – I mean, I, don't, I can't remember a duo putting a team on their backs like that. You know, like I, I could not tell you the three other guys on the floor for Oral Roberts. I can't tell you one other player. I just learned the coach's name like five minutes ago, Paul Mills. Like this is a team that is completely revolving around two dudes, and for them to come in and knock off – a two seed from the Big Ten relying on two guys is pretty amazing. And it tells you all you need to know about those two dudes. And, you know, coming in, Aismas I had actually heard of because he was the leading scorer in the country and he had the best offensive rating on Ken Palm. And his name is very weird because it's A-B-M-A-S. And I was like, why is this pronounced Aismas? So I did a little research on it, couldn't find an answer. But anyway, I knew he was good. But I just didn't think Will Roberts could beat Ohio State. But the thing about that game and the Loyola over Illinois game, Oral Roberts over Florida in the next round, they were not fluky wins. Like, they straight up outplayed them. Oral Roberts wanted it more than Ohio State. I hate to be cliche old school guy, but they wanted it more. Like, if they were getting blue-collar points, they would have dominated in that game. So none of these upsets have really been fluky at all outside of maybe North Texas over Purdue. Um, All these teams have just been outplaying the higher seeds, and I think it it goes back to just being a weird regular season where we end up with some missed seedings. Like Loyola is top 10 in Ken Palm and they're an eight seed. You know, whether they ran into Illinois in the elite eight or the round of 32, Illinois was going to be projected to beat them. But so you just have some weird results based on lack of non-conference games and, you know, teams missing time with COVID and it ends up with a wacky tournament like we have now. And another thing that I think is unique is the bubble format because maybe it's one team doesn't come ready to play, but if you're in that bubble and you're not locked in, like I'm going to bring back up the point of Alabama football this year. The reason Alabama was so successful is partially due to the fact that they had Nick Saban, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, the list goes on and on. But those guys were locked in from June when they came back on campus all the way until January. They were bought in. They were doing the things they needed to do to win, be successful. And that's what it takes in that bubble. Nate Oates said, and he's exactly right, that the team that can survive the bubble is going to win. They're going to be the most successful. And Gonzaga might be the best team by far. Gonzaga might be able to catch Alabama on a night where the Crimson Tide shoot 30% from the field, 20% from three, and can't hit anything. But if they're also not living well in the bubble, if they're not able to – find their groove if they're not able to be comfortable and they like on day 23 of 26 in the bubble they completely fold they could have one of those complete come aparts and I think that's what makes Alabama so special is they're locked in just like their football team was this past year and teams like uh, Ohio State Florida you know those teams that Oral Roberts have beaten may not have been quite ready but it also like it comes down to the basketball too like you were talking they've got those two guys on Oral Roberts um but it's just a, it's a unique situation, and I think following that aspect of being in the bubble adds a whole new dynamic to the tournament that we've never seen before, which is really cool. Yeah, you're such a classic FOG, Bill, bringing up the Alabama football team. Everything relates back to Alabama football, right? But I do think you're right, man. It, all, I mean, it always does. This is the Galloway <laughs> podcast. That's how I we mean, make our money, so to speak. You are in Tuscaloosa, so everything is a football analogy. You know, I think you're, you're really onto something there, though, because – the football team, I mean, Alabama was an easy pick in football to win the national championship because it's Alabama, right? But going back to June, and I mean, the summer, like you remember this, Bill, we didn't even know if we were going to play. And so you get to spring and then you get to fall and it's like everything is so up in the air. I think it actually ended up being more of a normal season than we expected in the summer. 
But going back to, you know, March and April when this stuff was really getting bad, I remember thinking, hey, if anyone's going to be equipped to handle this, it's Alabama. Right. I mean, Nick Saban has seen basically everything and he is the best coach and he is the ultimate motivator. And he's the guy who's going to say, hey, you might want to go party tonight after we crush LSU. But, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. And he was he was obviously the perfect guy to lead a team through this type of of setting. I think Oates is the same way. But I mean, you mentioned you invoked Gonzaga, which I have to respond to. Gonzaga is the best team by far. And I'm not even going to say that's my opinion. They are like you look at any of the metrics See, that's the thing, man. It's like if people think that Gonzaga played a weak schedule because they play in the West Coast Conference, you're just not paying attention. You know, like look at what they did in the non-conference. They beat the two through four seeds in their region in non-conference. The closest game they played was West Virginia, which they played. They, they beat them by five. And West Virginia was a three seed, which lost to the best team in the country, Syracuse, in the second round. So like Gonzaga had an incredible schedule and they have not missed a beat. So like The reason I say all that is because I know it's going to relate back to Alabama. That's going to be, I mean, that's the projected final four matchup right now. Like if you just look at the favorites coming out of the regions, Michigan minus livers is not projected to be the best team in that field. It's actually Alabama. They're I think plus 170 to make the final four. If those two teams match up, I just think, you know, everything has to go right for Alabama. They need to put together a shooting performance like they did against Maryland, like they did against LSU and then play that, blue-collar defense, which we know they will, but they need their shots to fall. And even then, Bill, even then, it's going to be a steep hill to climb because that Gonzaga team is so good. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Alabama a little bit here because that's kind of, like I said, our, our bread and butter um, being here in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. First game versus Iona, handled them pretty well. I, you know, it was like 33 minutes of a close game, and Alabama's like, hey, we're Alabama, you're Iona, and let's let's put our foot on the gas here. Maryland – uh, just an incredible shooting performance. I mean, it, it rivaled, I think, that LSU game in Baton Rouge that was so special to watch. And just seeing them light up every single three, catch fire in the second half, you were thinking, oh, my gosh, we're in the golden era right now. <laughs> um, so you're, I want to get your preliminary thoughts on uh, the past two games for the Crimson Tide this past weekend and then going forward in the Sweet 16. Let's talk a little UCLA. I'm not a UCLA specialist, uh, but my – uh, Bruins knowledge extends to the fact that my OTM team in elementary school was named the Bruins. So uh, here we go. Let's, let's dive into Bama. Hold on real quick. What is an OTM team? Over the mountain. So in Birmingham, there's like, you know, your Mountain Brook, you have two or three Mountain Brook teams, two or three Vestavia teams, two or three Hoover teams. And your, uh, your travel basketball, so to speak, is – you know, Mountain Brook, one, two, or three team. You got the Spartans. You've got the the Green Wave, maybe. You've got – we were the Bruins. So, uh, my dad was a big John Wooden fan. We were the Bruins. Good stuff. You got, you got Hoover, Hoover Orange, Hoover White, Hoover Black, Hoover – there's no gold because that's not in their color wheel. Uh, Vestavia Red, Vestavia Blue, maybe there's, you know, Vestavia Magic. The, those were the fun days. Uh, and, and some of those guys that I played basketball growing up against are now my fraternity brothers, which is fun. You should have been like the Mountain Brook CEOs or the Mountain Brook doctors or the lawyers or something. That, I think that would have been Mountain Brook real estate agents. I think that would have been a more accurate name. Oh, um, man. Okay, so Alabama. You know, that game against Iona, Bill, I think you hit it on the head. Like, Iona came out, obviously, with a great plan. You know, Rick Pitino is, for my money, one of the five best X's and O's coaches of all time. Does he have some lewd 
things in his past, obviously, you know, off the floor. I think that's the he, reason. He, I will say he owned up to that stuff in the press conferences. Like he yeah. carries that on his shoulders and that's right. a part of, I have a lot of respect for him for not turning away from those questions too. Totally. Totally. And you know, he's back and he's an amazing coach and he says he's really happy at Iona. So, you know, that's great for him. You know, his son just got fired from Minnesota and went to New Mexico. So the Patino family, I think is, is doing he's all right. He's unemployed for about 12 hours. Ridiculous. I mean, what, what is up with the rebound, New Mexico? Give it a little time to breathe. Don't, it, don't it announce it for three days at least. You know can, what I mean? Can I, have, can I have some of that buyout? Can I have some of his buyout, please? I know. So Patino's be my first salary out of college. Patino's are doing just fine. Um, and that was, I mean, they came out with a great plan, and Alabama couldn't make a lot of shots in that game. But, you know, that happens when you shoot a bunch of threes. But, the, I mean, the huge misconception with Alabama, and I think people in, in the state understand this, but people outside of Alabama don't, which is, yes, they shoot a lot of threes, but they are consistent because they play such good defense. And it's not just like they're jacking. They're not walking across the logo and jacking. You know, they're driving, kicking, getting good looks. Eventually, they're going to start falling. And, you know, I said this to Simone, my coworker here at CBS 42. I was like, they're just not going to lose to Maryland, period. They don't lose to teams that aren't even close to the same level as them. And that's how I feel about UCLA, too. They just will not lose. And NATO says, hey, the margin of victory is the only thing that should be determined by whether our shots are going in. You know, we should win games with defense, and we should blow teams out if the shots are falling, but still win if they're not. And so, like, Maryland – yeah, fine. They played well against UConn. They were a 10 seed. They're playing in what we thought is a good conference in the Big Ten. But they just didn't have a chance against Alabama. And nobody that's, I would say, outside of like one of the 25 best teams in the country has a chance against Alabama just because the defense is so good and they get so many good looks from deep that enough will drop for them to win. And they look like they're on a different level. I mean, you look at the speed in which they play, the style in which they play, and Maryland had that kind of traditional set. Like, Galen Smith went there because he wanted to play in a system that valued a big man, right? Well, Alabama values a big man, period, and comma, that also can shoot the three, stretch the floor, run and gun, and Alex Chiku, essentially, what we're going to hopefully see from him next year. Uh, the, I think you're exactly right. And nobody was sitting there watching the Maryland game except I think Katie Nolan had Iona over Alabama in her bracket. I'm still going to give her a hard time about that. I don't, I don't know her. She doesn't know me, but I saw that on ESPN one day last week, and I was like, all right. I'm on that, the pod, Katie. Come that, on, that needs That needs to be brought up. That needs to be brought to light. She needs to um, know that that was not correct, and that was not a good pick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if she'd never heard of a guy named Nate Oates, but I think she was picking Rick Pitino <laughs> yes. um, based off past tournament experience. Anyways, yeah, I think you're exactly right. You hit the hammer on the head that no one's no one's Alabama wasn't gonna lose to Iona, they weren't gonna lose to Maryland. Honestly, and I might eat my words here and end up on old takes exposed, shouldn't lose to UCLA. Like the Texas losing makes Alabama their walk to the Elite Eight. I mean, almost a complete cakewalk. Yeah, it does. And now, you know, stuff happens. And I'm not counting out UCLA by any chance, but Alabama should win. Yeah, that, I'm, that, I'm counting out UCLA for what Very, very rarely do you see in college basketball, because you look, look at Auburn's run to the Final Four a couple years ago. They had to go through, was it Kentucky? Is all these yeah, blue beats, Kansas, maybe, UNC. Kentucky, UNC. Mm-hmm. I mean, just unbelievable. And Alabama, here's Alabama almost getting handed an Elite <laughs> Eight berth. What are you doing, Will? You're supposed to be a gump. <laughs> this I don't is weird. Know. I don't you're know. making the Auburn 
I, I just know what Auburn fans are going to say, even if Alabama makes the Final Four. I don't have too many Auburn fans listening to this podcast. Though, so. <laughs> it's, I, mean, I guess it's but, okay. That's exactly what they're going to say, dude, is the, the path was so easy. And you beat the teams in front of you. And if Alabama wipes the floor with UCLA and then beats Michigan, I don't think you can really say that their path was – I mean, it would be easy, but, you know, they made quick work of it. And UCLA is a team that doesn't really – scare me if I'm an Alabama fan, to be honest with you. I mean, the best team they've beaten so far, in my opinion, is Michigan State in the first four. And they needed to go to overtime to beat them. They were down 14, I think, late first half. UCLA is a team that was pretty solid in the Pac-12 and is clearly clicking right now. But they beat a week six in BYU. And then they beat, to be honest with you, Bill, the worst team I've ever seen win a game in the NCAA tournament in Abilene Christian. I mean, the way Abilene Christian came out against UCLA, I think they went scoreless for eight or nine minutes. I almost feel like Shaka Smart should be fired just based on how Abilene Christian played against UCLA. It's like, that is an embarrassment. It was, it was like secondary and maybe it was like tertiary embarrassment based off of like, you watch that game. You're like, Holy cow. We lost to these guys. Right. Abilene Christian has like, they have the other Reggie Miller. And I think their tallest players like six, seven. So yeah, they forced a lot of turnovers, but UCLA should have crushed them and they did. So credit where it's due there. And um, I will say this too. I talked about Alabama kind of getting a cakewalk to the Elite Eight. Obviously, Abilene Christian helped out Alabama a lot. But when the draw came out, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast, you look at the regions, being in Michigan's, being that number five team overall, I think it was in the AP, and being, you know, the, the number one uh, two seed, so to speak, that was the absolute best position possible for Alabama. Now, now that Illinois is gone and you've got Oregon State, Loyola, Chicago, Syracuse, and Houston – Maybe that's a little bit easier than Alabama and Michigan's region now because you've got almost all chalk in, except for UCLA. Um, but Alabama, I think, had the most favorable draw out of any team besides Gonzaga. No doubt. No doubt. So I like what you bring up there, Bill, which is, yeah, Abilene Christian helped them by knocking off Texas, but Alabama also earned – a fairly easy path, quote unquote easy, because none of it is, but relative to the rest of the two seeds, like Alabama earned this kind of path to the final four. So, I mean, UCLA though, they've got this guy, Juzang, who's averaging more than 22 points a game. He's a transfer from Kentucky. He's a California guy. He's been outstanding in the tournament so far. We've got Jaime Jaquez, who went nuts in that first four game against Michigan State. Let's, let's place bets, Bill, on, you know, the percentage of people in Alabama who just call him Jamie Jacquez instead of how you actually pronounce his name, which is Jaime. Yeah, probably like 95%. I, I would, I would even nudge that closer to like 99%. Like if you go to Innisfree and watch the game, who's this Jacquez character? Who's, who's, who's that? This Jamie Jacquez. So yeah, you're going to hear a lot of that. He's a good player. UCLA has got good dudes. I think Cronin's a good coach, but I just, you know, I need to see more from them for me to think that they've really turned a corner. You know, they came into the tournament on a four-game losing streak. And then you beat Michigan State in overtime, BYU, and Abilene Christian. I mean, I'm just – again, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm just not that worried about UCLA. No, neither am I. And, and so, Tiger Campbell, the point guard, right, with the, the John Petty freshman-esque hair, uh, mm-hmm. he played at CPA in Nashville when he was in, like, eighth grade before he went up to a prep school in Chicago, I think. And so – you know, I didn't follow him after he left CPA, but Mountain Brook played CPA, and this was, I think, my sophomore year in high school, maybe my junior year, when he was in uh, he was in eighth grade, and 
I remember hearing his name because he played with Braxton Blackwell, later became okay. Braxton Key, came to Alabama, went to Virginia, right. won a national championship. Shout out to the Who's, defending national champions, suffered a tough loss Still. to Ohio. Um, yeah. Had to throw that in there, sorry. But I totally – like he dropped off the page when he went to that prep school, and then they're like Tiger Campbell, point guard for UCLA. And I was like, I mean, I'm not old by any means, but shouldn't he be in like 10th grade right now? Because he was playing varsity basketball when he was like in 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Um, but, yeah, I mean, UCLA, they're, they're – I agree with that, you know, lack of not being concerned. Also, in that play-in game, they showed Nick Cronin's dad probably 100 times. Did you watch that UCLA play-in game when that like the camera was on his dad more than it was on him? And I understand like the story behind it was really cool that he hadn't seen him in yeah. over a year. Um, but I was like, I want to watch the game, and I, we didn't have the sound up. Like we were listening to music in the background right. instead of having the game on, and yeah. we were sitting there like, "Who is this old man? Like, what is going on? Why? I want to watch the game." Turns out it's a really cool story. Is, um, was it worse than the sister Jean cutaways? Ugh, no, but did you see that pregame quote she had about them shooting? Uh, who was the? It was the Illinois. It was the Illinois game where she talked about, oh, they shoot fifty percent from their close shots and thirty percent from three, and then she was spot on. She sounded a little like Nate Oates, <laughs> like she's dropping all these fancy. Yeah, yeah, like, in, a, in a prayer. I'm like, uh, okay. She's like, we got to get these at the rims, and then if no mid rangers. Those are worth one in practice. It's like, hold up. This and, is and, she's, and she's praying about this, and it's Illinois. It was that was the most bizarre thing of all time. And then like Sports Center and all these, you know, everybody's making graphics about Sister Jean, and well, I understand it, but listen, I, I, like, I love I love Sister Jean. You know, I feel like that's become somewhat of a, a contrarian take is to still be in on Sister Jean, but I am, man. I mean, she's one hundred and one now. She's cracked a hundred. It, like, it is insane, and the fact that they're still winning. Right. When they went to the final four, you're like, holy cow, that's crazy. Right. And you thought, all right, maybe Georgia Tech will just shut them up and, you know, they'll, it'll, they'll be a team of the past. But no, they're still right here. And, so. they're, and this team is way better than the one that made the final four, I think. You know, that team yeah. kind of stuck in 11 seed. Um, and they, I think Cinderella, I think they beat Tennessee on a buzzer beater, if I remember correctly. They Cinderella their way to the final four. This team just put it on Illinois. And it was crazy because, Georgia Tech gave them a better game than Illinois did, and Georgia Tech was missing the ACC Player of the Year in Moses Wright, and they still played decent against Loyola, but that Loyola team is dangerous, man. And Oregon State's playing really well right now, but I got Loyola in that game. I actually think they make the Final Four. You know, we can so, talk yeah, about I was, I was going to say, let's jump to that now, your Final Four, because I've still got three out of my four alive. I've got Oregon, Alabama, Baylor, and I had Illinois. Oregon? I, yeah, wow, wild card bro. pick. Wild card pick. Disrespect. Dis I know. I know. I've I've been on the, I've been front seat, front row on the Gonzaga disrespect train for a long time. That's... I wasn't cheering. I wasn't cheering for Auburn when they played Gonzaga earlier this year. By the way, that seems like it was literally three years ago. I know, doesn't it? Didn't Gonzaga uh, win that game by like thirty-five or something? Yeah, they blew them out. That was one of those like they were down in Florida and preseason, yes. no, or not preseason, one of those tournament games. Right. Uh, didn't have Cooper, and that was when. Uh, oh, what's the dude who played for Auburn this year and then kind of fell off the? Justin Powell. Yes, Powell went off that game. I'm pretty sure. He's really good. It, it was unfortunate. I, you don't want Auburn content, so we'll keep this brief. But he had a concussion, I think, and yeah. then he's actually transferring, which was kind of a shock to everyone. We don't really know where he's going yet. 
Of course, the well, Alabama fans. Salutations, are. Justin Powell. Of course, everyone from Gum Twitter is saying he's going to Alabama next, but that <laughs> I don't think that's actually going to happen. All right. So before we get to the Final Four, one thing about that is, and I saw the tweet about it from I don't remember who it was, but so it was uh, not Nick Saban. Nate Oates is essentially becoming Nick Saban now in the fact that he can get his run, of, he can get his pick of the litter. Anybody he wants now with the way he's playing and the style that he's playing, yeah. he should be able to go to you and say, hey, we want you to come play at Alabama. And they should say yes, because they should want to play in a system like that. Right. He had such a, he's such a baller dude with the quotes because he just doesn't give again an F. He just doesn't care. I mean, he'll, he'll say what's on his mind. Like, there was actually a whole article in The Athletic. I think Aaron Torres wrote it about how Nate Oates basically doesn't care if he pisses people off. He's not doing it on purpose. He's just saying what he, what he feels and what he, he thinks. He doesn't lose sleep when he goes to bed thinking about what the media says about him. Exactly. Right. So, like, care. the Coach K thing we saw and, you know, Coach Cal a few years back. So He shouldn't apologize for that Coach K thing. I'll just say that again. I know. I know, and I think he probably agrees with you. He just didn't want the – I mean, he's coming after Coach K, so whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but what he said to the broadcast crew, and so he didn't actually say this himself on camera, but the broadcast crew related, is that recruiting has been easy at Alabama for the past year or so because the system they play and now the success they're having, and, and it speaks for itself. I mean, J.D. Davison is probably one of the, the best recruits in program history, if not the best. And so it, He's going to fit like a glove, too. Exactly. Like a guy like that is going to be just ridiculous. He's going to be unstoppable. I mean, he's a freight train in transition. He's, you know, he's from Alabama. So we see him in the state tournaments. The guy is insane. He's a pretty good shooter. He's a good defender. So he's going to fit really well in Oates system. And I think this success is just going to beget more success. It's just going to keep rolling over. And that's where the saving comparison really comes in. You use your success as a recruiting tool and basically tell kids, hey, if you want to come here, we'd love to have you, but we don't really need you. We're going to win regardless. And yeah, and we're offering you because we want you, but if you, it's, you say no, it's fine. One thing right. I learned with, with Watford in high school, being around his recruiting early on, I mean, you come into the locker room every day for practice, he's got letters from Oklahoma, Kansas, Arizona, every single day, more mail, more places. Then it was, it was like getting – flyers in the mail he'd just look at them throw them away be like hey you want to keep this i have a couple kansas letters from (laughs) bill self that were just like printed off he was like i don't even care about this i don't want to go play there so that was cool but you know it's all all that to say like he's going to get his guys um but anyways sorry back to we got a little sidetracked there with a disrespect of gonzaga uh back to the final four i've got bama oregon baylor and i had illinois um i'm gonna pick oregon state coming out of the midwest wow I have a I have a Oregon State uh, polo or golf shirt uh, right behind me. Shout out to Chris Marler. So um, Oregon State, yeah, he's a big Oregon State guy for some reason. I got it at a thrift store. It's awesome. Oregon State, that is pretty ballsy, there, Bill. I feel I feel like they're probably the. If you look at the entire field, it's them and Oral Roberts as the team no one expects to make the Final Four. Them and maybe UCLA. But hey, I like it. I respect the gutso. I appreciate it. Who are who are your four? Who are you seeing next weekend? I would take – so, I am like you. I still have three. I mean, I was a little more chalky than you. I didn't have one stunner like Oregon. I have Gonzaga. But beating USC, I actually had USC-Oregon in the Sweet 16, one of the few bright spots of my bracket. Of USC winning that thing, Gonzaga going to the Final Four. I have Alabama. I have Baylor. And I had Illinois as well. Coming out of that region now, I think it's Loyola. 
you know, they, they've been so impressive to me. And I'm a huge Ken Palm guy, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not picking them to beat Illinois. I would have had the winner of that game in the Final Four regardless, and I just went with, I just went with Illinois because I thought they'd have the two best players on the floor, and, and they did. It's just Io didn't really show up, and Loyola just out-game planned them. He jinxed himself with that Kobe picture he posted on Twitter. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, after they won the uh, Big Ten championship, he posted a picture of himself like he put on his, his shooting shirt and he put on the championship hat and he was holding the trophy like Kobe did. I think it was back in like uh, when they won in like 2001 or something, 2003. Yeah. Took a, like a locker room picture in the bathroom and Io just copied Kobe. And it was it was wow. embarrassing how badly, you know, <laughs> how they lost. And it's like, oh, come on, dude, you jinxed yourself. Yeah, you don't do that. You, you wait yeah. until after you win the whole thing. The national championship, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think Loyola, you know, they've got the best defense in America. They've got some real dudes on offense. Crudwig is really, really good. He's like a lefty, bigger Nikola Jokic. He's like a tubby Jokic. And so I think they're the best team in that region still. Houston's good. I think Houston beats us, Syracuse, because they're going to kill us on the glass. But I got Loyola coming out of that region. They've got that magic again. They've re recaptured it from 2018. Sister Jean is back in our lives, which I said I really like. So, yeah, I got, I got Loyola, Baylor, Alabama, Gonzaga. And then uh, who do you have taking the cake? And who do you have in the championship and who do you have taking the cake? I go Zags over Baylor. I hate to be Mr. Chalk guy, but uh, Gonzaga's You and millions of others in America. I know, but here's the thing, Bill. Sometimes the masses are right, and – we are right when it comes to Gonzaga. Now, it's the tournament, so anything can happen. I, I honestly believe that if anyone can beat them, it's Alabama. I think they've got the best chance to do it because they can do what we just saw against Maryland and just shoot the lights out, and they're going to play great defense too. But Gonzaga might be the best team of our lifetimes. You know, I'm starting to grapple with that reality. Ooh. When I think of the best teams I've ever seen, I think 09 UNC, Hansbro, Ty Lawson, I think Wayne Ellington was on that team. They were loaded. You know, I think uh, 15 Kentucky with Carl Anthony Towns, or maybe it was 16, whoever lost to Wisconsin. The platoon, yeah. Who, I mean, that team was ridiculous. You know, they were, I think, 38-0 before they lost to Wisconsin. And even though they lost in a tight one, I still consider them one of the best teams I've ever seen. And then Villanova in 2018, the team that won uh, the championship as well with Jenkins at the buzzer. I mean, that was a ridiculous team. But Gonzaga, you know, this stat has been thrown out, but it's, it's almost hard to fathom. Four of their five starters were finalists for player of the year at their position. Just think about it. It's, I mean, you can't even fathom that. Like that's, they are so that, yeah. I mean, so that's, like having, that's like having Jalen Waddell healthy through the whole season. Again, football reference for all yeah. of our newfound Alabama basketball fans that includes right. half of the University of Alabama student population. Listen, if, um, if the only Alabama sport you follow is football, that's a great comparison. Gonzaga is like Alabama football, and they've got an amazing coach. And all few has to do to cement his case as one of the greatest coaches ever is win a national championship. And this is the year. I'm not even going to say I think this is the year. This is the year. Gonzaga's it's expected that they're going to run the table and win the national championship. Yes, which is boring, and, but that's what I think. So. Until they meet our great friend Nate Oates, who will – Shoots 60% from three, 60% from the free throw line because there's going to have to be some struggle in that game. And Bama wins by three in the final four. You're taking Alabama over Gonzaga. Oh, I have to, right? Well, I mean, at least you're objective. That's good. It's it's my senior (laughs) year, right? I I have to pick us. You know, as 
I was I was talking to so many people when they were making their brackets, and they're like, "Well, what about Alabama? Like, do, like, do you think we'll lose in the Sweet Sixteen? Like, will they lose in the Elite Eight? I was like, "If you're there, you might as well win the whole dang thing. Go, right. like, pick them. You, you're a student at Alabama. You you rooting for us to lose? Your bracket doesn't matter. You're not going to win anyways." I think a lot of Alabama fans are um, either scarred or just haven't paid attention. So if you're, I mean, if you're a both. scarred, I would Alabama, say I think you can be both. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, I think a lot of students there right now, Bill, probably just don't know that Alabama has a rich basketball history and right. probably weren't paying attention until they got really, really good this year. About and then a die- month and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. And then the diehard basketball fans have probably seen, you know, 15 years of something that they don't feel is up to the standard of Alabama hoops, which it wasn't. And maybe we're kind of exasperated by that, but Whatever. I mean, the Alabama fans are there. I just, you know, I'm talking about Gonzaga, Alabama matchup wise. Who is going to check Drew Timmy from Alabama? Is it going to be Herb Jones? Because then you lose your best perimeter defender. Right. And then Pittsburgh, Ayayi, and Suggs probably kill you. You go, you go, you know what you do? You do James Rojas, Jawan Gary switching off bull in a China shop, make him just throw hands and then it turns into a fight. And then you've got Alabama, Minnesota, you know, part two, three on five again. And then, you know, Britton Johnson's out there playing with um, he and uh, who do we want? Who do we want in our three on five? Well, Hey, I think, Eight NATOs can give you a call there, Bill. You can get the former Mountain Brook manager. You can be yeah. No, I'll, I can. I can. If NATOs gets kicked out, you know, I'm running down to the floor, coaching them up. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll go. We'll go. BJ. We'll go. Uh, you're gonna have Tyler in there because Tyler's yeah. not gonna come off the bench. And right. uh, our third guy is gonna be Alex Reese, the Pelham oh, Possum. And then it. Bama runs the table. Right, because you know if you can't beat Gonzaga with five, just try it with three. Because that's with three exactly. Well. No, I think you're right, though. Gary and Rojas, you just use fouls. Just fouls. Just make Timmy beat you at the line. He's a good free-throw shooter, but still, just bully him. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, And then, I mean, defensively, Gonzaga's pretty good. Like, they're a top-10 team on defense, so we'll see if Alabama can create those looks. They get open shots basically against anyone, so maybe. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think Gonzaga's the best team of my lifetime. It's next to impossible, but it's not impossible. You're saying there's a chance. That's all you need. We got to remember that. All right, Drew, wrapping things up here. Uh, a couple quick hitters for you um, to end the podcast interview segment here on the Galloway Podcast, Episode 70, brought to you by WD Marketing. Uh, best game so far, something we haven't talked about, like going back to the first round, what was your favorite game to watch? Favorite game to watch? I mean, Oral Roberts was amazing, mostly because of the Twitter jokes and – yeah, you know, they I need to be verified, by the way. <laughs> well, I had a few that I wanted to fire off there, Bill, and I just I decided okay. probably not to do it. You want to keep your day job. Exactly. Didn't, didn't want to do any oral-related jokes. That game was amazing, mostly because of the Twitter for me. Uh, but, you know, Texas Tech-Arkansas was played at a really high level. I'm just thinking of the bracket. The one I enjoyed the most was probably Oregon-Iowa because I had Oregon in the Sweet 16. And, I mean, I know you love Oregon. You've got them in the Final Four, and they just – wax them I mean just crush them it wasn't even close from the jump it's so to see a the big 10 kind of go down in flames like that and b nail that sweet 16 pick against everyone's favorite Luca Garza that was pretty fun so I I go Oregon Iowa all right and then my other quick hitter if you could play one-on-one with any Alabama basketball player past or present who would it be whoa past or present oh man Latrell Sprewell, and I'd, I'd love to talk to him about his days in Minnesota, and he has to put food on the table after we offered him like $80 million. 
I'd love to ask him a few questions about that. Hopefully not get choked. Yeah. I, I, but like, if you had to play him on the floor, like your game versus his game, like one-on-one still spree well, because if I'm like, that'd be a I'm defensive to, nightmare. If I'm trying to win, um, I would probably take your boy, Britton Johnson, just because he's like the smallest walk on I can remember, but I know he would still work me. He'd, it'd be like when guys try to play Brian Scalabrini one-on-one thinking like, was oh, a, I saw a TikTok yesterday on Twitter yes. of Scalabrini. Did you see that playing one-on-one? I did. I did. And he, he's known for that. He always does that. Like, Oh, you think you're good? Come face me. Yeah. one-on-one. I know Britton would probably skunk me, but if, if I had, if I want to have any chance, I would probably take Britton Johnson. Although I would love to just play against Herb Jones just to see what it's like to try to score. So, okay. Yeah. Mine, mine would be Brian passing because he's, getting up there in age and he's a former guest on the podcast and mm-hmm. so i can say that um no i wouldn't play him in his prime i'd play him today we go to the high school and play uh, some pickup but my freshman year of college went to play pickup at mountain brook high school one time me and two of my buddies or three of my buddies were playing two on two we walk in the gym and we're playing pickup for about an hour herb jones trinder watford and john petty walk in and I know all those guys. Obviously, I know Trendon from high school, but I'd met Petty. I'd met Herb uh, through Trendon before. And my buddies, and they're like, holy cow, is that like John Petty and Herb Jones? Like, are they coming to hang out? Like, are they coming to – do they <laughs> want to play us? I'm like, no. I mean, they're, they're going to, like, do some work. They have – it was before they had some camp they were going out to the next day. They're staying at Trendon's house. Long story short, we ended up walking over there. I'm like, all right hey, these are my friends. They want to play you. And I have a video of my buddy going one-on-one with Herb Jones. And Herb is, you know, lackadaisical. He's got his hands in his pockets, like doesn't even care. And my buddy's just struggling to even dribble. He's like so intimidated. Herb's, you know, seven-foot arm wingspan is like in his face. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't even shoot. Um, But, yeah, my buddy has a good story of going one-on-one with Herb Jones at the high school. Yeah. I would – Honestly, I'd kill to do that, and then about 30 seconds in, I'd be like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> I, I can't – I don't know how people do this for 40 minutes. So uh, I get the full experience. That guy is a nightmare defensively. Yeah. So I, I'd like to try it against him, but, yeah, I don't think I'd have much success. All right, Drew, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy week. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Glad we were able to make it happen. And looking forward to um, this upcoming Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend. Thank you for having me, Will. I am. A little bit longer of an interview with Drew Carter here on episode 70 of the Galloway Podcast presented by WD Marketing Group, but an enjoyable one at that. If you have any feedback on this interview or the Galloway Podcast, you can hit me up on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. And just a reminder, that interview is brought to you by WD Marketing Group, a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients in a wide variety of industries surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for the client. Your business is too valuable to not market, folks, so let WDMG help you. You can find WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com or by phone at 904-868-6038. WD Marketing Group and Hunter Letson, my good friend, check him out. Proud sponsor of the Galloway Podcast. Moving now into around Alabama athletics. Tons to talk about in Alabama football. Taking the lead story today, Aaron Suttles of The Athletic breaking the news that Jay Graham, Alabama assistant, now former Alabama assistant, 
He's a tight ends and special teams coach was, really. He will no longer be with the program, and that was said by the end of the week. Now, there's a wide variety of reasons and circumstances and speculation, really, around this whole situation. The whole story is unfolding itself, but Jay Graham will no longer be a part of the Alabama football organization. Also, Alabama football 8 day game information was just released, and that is this afternoon. That's fresh. Tickets will be sold this year. Uh, it is based on a donor basis, so there will be Tide Pride tickets available for purchase. There will be student opt-ins, just like last year, reduced capacity. And so things looking a little bit different, but there is an 8 day game this year, and that's important because there wasn't one last year. Alabama football spring practice is also underway, taking place this week. Again, they'll get 15 spring practices, and that is currently going on at the Alabama football practice facility. What else around Alabama athletics? The women's basketball team lost to Maryland today 100-64 in the round of 32. They finished the season 17-10 and overall. It was their first tournament appearance since 1999. Christy Curry led the team to the round of 32. Alabama baseball lost to Southern Miss on Tuesday night. They have an upcoming series on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday versus Ole Miss this weekend. The Tide is without Connor Prelip, William Hammeter, and T.J. Reeves due to various circumstances and injuries, some known, some unknown. But Alabama right now really struggling on the baseball diamond without Prelip, Hammeter, or Reeves. The team's 15-6 and six overall. They're 1-2 and two in conference play. They had a big first game Friday night over Arkansas, winning 16-1, to one, putting up 10 runs in the second inning. That was just fantastic baseball, trying to get things started on the right play in conference play as they go throughout the grind of their season. Softball is 24-2. and two. Freshman Bailey Dowling is out for the year. She tore her ACL and MCL this past weekend versus Tennessee in Game 2. The Crimson Tide have a weekend series coming up at Kentucky. So Patrick Murphy and his squad hit the road this weekend. Dana Duckworth and the Alabama gymnastics team won the SEC championship up in Huntsville last weekend. Another title coming back to title town. Regionals in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama gymnastics team start on April 1st. And that's around Alabama athletics on episode 70 of the Galloway podcast presented by WD Marketing Group. Folks, we've got a little bit of merchandise left, just a couple hats, some coffee mugs, tumblers, golf towels as well hit me up on twitter if you're looking for any galloway podcast merchandise and that is going to do it for episode 70 of the galloway podcast want to thank drew carter for his time on today's podcast want to thank you for the extended time that you gave to listen to this podcast and want to thank wd marketing group proud sponsor of the galloway podcast where there's the right way there's the wrong way and there's the galloway